Good evening and good morning, good afternoon. Today's Dharma talk. Now the title is No, not K-N-O-W. No, N-O. Demand. D-E-M-A-N-D, is that correct? Demand? So far so good. Okay, end of talk. So my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, used a, a phrase, if I could recall it correctly, maybe I'm missing the boat, but uh, lessen, lessen your demand, lessen your demand. And I would uh, say that, that that may work, but anytime you try to lessen or control or say just lessen, uh, it, it tends to be uh, looking for some kind of results. Uh, am I lessening my demand? So. I'm not saying that that wouldn't work to some extent, but you might be better off all the way around, not only you, but the person who is usually in that position of being demanded of. It might be, it might be better to just not demand. You could request, I prefer that you don't do that. I prefer that you don't take your dirty underwear and just show it on the floor. to go off into some kind of a foot stomp or, you know, demanding, threatening. Might wanna just not do that. Don't demand anything. And especially don't demand anything if you think you have the right to demand things. That's the big trap there. We get caught in right and wrong aspect of relative truth and we think somehow because this is happening, that's happening, that culturally or socially or psychologically or however you want to crack it up, or however it comes together as some positionality in terms of relative truth that you think you're right, the other person's wrong, or you think you're wrong, the other person's right about anything. And what do we do if we see something a certain way and we want this and that's not happened? You might demand. I demand that that occur. I demand that you do that, or I, I demand that you stop doing it. I demand it. This does not mean to somehow interfere with your mind stream in such way that you, such a way that you don't have that kind of feeling come up. In order to not demand, you might have to actually allow the feeling, the emotion, the energy of demand arise, but just, you just don't bring it out into the open by, as I sometimes say, hooking up your vocal cords to it, running your mouth. It seemed to be very necessary, very necessary, incredibly necessary to experience and even accommodate the emotions that arise in the mind stream. You can't actually not demand unless you first see the emotion that is right on the end of just before the demand occurs. The emotion is not the demand. The demand is what you do with the emotion. You have an emotion about something and you immediately do what? You abandon the emotion so you can have your way. You want your way. You want to have it your way. Am I accusing you of anything? 
particularly. You're probably too busy accusing yourself of stuff. So coming back to that very simple statement that I just made is the emotion that arises is not the demand. The demand is what we do to get away from that emotion. So we don't have to feel like we want something. What we do is we introduce our world, our relative world, to our intense, subjective, personal karma of our emotions, our mind stream, by bringing it out as if. Because we've had this emotion, we believe our feelings, we believe our emotions. And so we want to have the world, maybe in the form of our partner, in the form of our co-workers, in the form of our employees, in the form of people in the military-industrial complex, <clears throat> to have our way. So it seems the only way we can really work with that is to catch it as soon as possible before that emotion that comes crawling up the, the inside of the wishing well, that dark area down there where that all those things start coming up, those negative feelings, emotions, and so on. And just meet it there. Meet it right there. Meet it. If you meet it right there, it can't go any further because you're that you're aware of that. But if you don't meet it right there, the next thing you know, it comes up and it gets more and more threatening, more and more scary. And eventually, the only way we can get out of that is to blame. The only way we can get out of that get out of that situation is to dump that negativity onto someone. And it might be blame. It might be demanding that they do this or that they stop doing that or they do something else or they somehow move that whole ship of state, meaning the ego, around in some way that is suitable to someone else. When Trungpa Rinpoche made a statement close to 50 years ago, 45, 50 years ago, the best relationship is no relationship. So you can contemplate that for a while. That doesn't mean there isn't some kind of a dynamic going on between two people. But the transactional quality of that is really, really heavily soaked. I mean, it's fermented in relative truth, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. The court system, right and wrong, police, judges, attorneys, trying to sort things out based on what? Some kind of a logic. And it's not that the logic isn't logical, of course it is, but the emotional force behind that situation is powerful and it's much more powerful than the logic. I'm sure you've noticed, just watch uh, watch politics, take two different stations, listen to two different political factions. It is crazy. People want control and they want to demand, they want to demand to have their rights. Like the whole thing, I'm not going to make too big of a deal of it because I'll probably have a people start demanding that I don't say this or don't say that or don't talk that way or don't treat me that way. Like all of the things you have to be careful what you even say because you might characterize somebody's sexual uh, preference in some way that somehow offends them. 
they're trying to get some kind of identity out of relative truth by having a stranglehold around their thought patterns and around your thought patterns if you get in their way. Have you noticed? No demands. That doesn't mean you're blind to it, that you don't see what's going on. But there is a way of working with that that might be more respectful than just demanding that certain people don't do this, other people don't do that. <clears throat> it's been going on forever. This isn't something that happened in the last 10 years. And it is not a matter of you being justified in having a demand, of course. You're going to have some kind of a protocol behind that. You shouldn't be doing that because of this and this, because of that. And the, then the emotional force that is the overlayment or underlayment of that particular logic is there and, and makes it impossible to even see the structure of the logic. If you can see the structure, you might be able to deconstruct it in such a way to maybe make, at least make friends with the situation you're involved in. But it seems to be not very necessary. And you know, I'm sure you, sure you see that. I always come back to the basic situation of train your mind. Because if with, without uh, training your mind, then we're, we're left to the, to the forces of the karma of our own lifetime, of what happened uh, in the 13th century, the 10th century, 900 BC, and uh, three weeks ago, and the 21st of January, uh, 1980 in Vermont. And I'm being a little silly, but I'm saying it's like that. It's that complicated. It is that location specific and time specific. And those two things are illusory. Is that a word? Illusory? Illusor? Illusionation? Illusionated? Illusion? Yeah. Unreal. Look real. Looks real. Illusion. Called a motion picture show. Let's go to the motion picture show, they used to say in the 40s. It, it's convincing, but it's unreal because it's dependently risen. You, me, I, we can transcend this world without ever leaving it. Although we're going to leave it, but you could transcend this situation before you pass away, before you go back into the elements of fire, water, earth, air. Can we go back into metal? Only Don's going to do that. So it's about the awareness of what is occurring rather than trying to stop even, even the demand. So when I say don't demand, if you're already on the leading edge of, uh, of that, that huge wave, that huge surge of emotion where you've been wronged or something is, shouldn't be that way, and that's already the, the momentum of that. It's really powerful. You probably can't do it today, or maybe even tomorrow or next week. But you could start working on it. You could start. You could start working on it by putting others before yourself. It's called the Bodhisattva vow, and it, it is a vow. It's not something you just decide to do and suddenly, well, we got that figured out. Now we can just put others before ourselves. We don't even know what an other is or what ourselves are. That's why we need to look closely into this. If you're at war with anything, yourself or others, anything, then that, that particular war started in terms of relative truth somewhere, had a start and it's coming along and here it is in your emotions 
because you were triggered by this or that or this or that in your relative time and location. All more, it's very convincing. Happened in Vermont in 1980. Very convincing to have a date and time for everything. It's like it actually has some kind of uh, <coughs> credibility that infringes upon, kind of nudges relative truth out of the way. I mean, ultimate truth out of the way. I mean, relative truth. No, I, uh, yeah, ultimate truth. Ultimate. Is there a difference? That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? So that means you shut up. So for the next, whatever, few minutes or 20 minutes, a half an hour, I get to say stuff. And you can listen or not, but I would say no demand. I'm not saying you can't ask for something and say, I prefer this happens and not that. That demanding situation is really look closely at any time there's any kind of a demand for this to occur instead of that. For instance, in the idea of Vidyadar uh, talked about the best relationships, no relationship. Not that you don't have a relationship, that you don't have man and wife, a brother and sister, uh, employee and uh, employer, teacher and student. Dharma brothers and sisters and Sangha, excuse me. But no demand. So whatever whatever you're doing based on your insight, your understanding, your ability to just grok what's happening based on that, and you're looking at this, you you see that, so therefore you're not going to do go that way, you're going to go over here. Uh, probably a... Um, you know, a bushel baskets full of little tiny reasons and causes of conditions that arise that, that create the illusion that you just made a decision. And look at your intention. If you have the intention to save all beings and you put that before everything, then you're going to piss a lot of people off because they won't think that what you're doing is right and they'll demand that you do otherwise and you'll you know you'll do it the way they think it should look and our culture our, the western culture all the cultures are crazy about having things a certain way and they want what control and and some kind of understanding of what the outcome is going to be it's called materialism scientific materialism spiritual materialism, psychological materialism, artistic materialism, Kionoscopsy materialism. Figure that one out. Time's up. What do you come up with? I'm just saying that it is an incredibly vast labyrinth of causes and conditions that are very, very seductive that draw us into, give us the illusion. We can figure this out. You're not going to be able to figure this out. And if you do figure it, figure it out, come and tell me about it. Come and tell. I'd really like to hear what you have figured out. Two people in a relationship, 
uh, might have their differences or their um, situation <coughs> where one person is not understanding what someone someone else is doing, you could communicate about it. How's that? What's happening over there? Well, I see you're doing this. Can you say what what's happening? I thought you were going this way. Now you seem to be going that way. And then if the communication stays there uh, in terms of some kind of understanding, then there, it won't trigger necessarily trigger some kind of retaliation. Like, why are you asking me that? Don't you trust me? Sound familiar? Look at the intention behind anything you do, including eating a meal, walking down the street, waving to someone, bowing to something. If you live in the monastery, bowing to, to another person or to the altar. Look at the intention. I'll take questions now. Chu Chu. Chu bowing. Um, when speaking with someone, I don't often say, I demand this. Are there ways, particularly in speech, that, um, that we're making a demand even if we don't, we don't realize it? Using particular I, words? I think so. And the, the, we, we can make a demand without saying anything. You just be jut your jaw out a little ways. When somebody's saying this or saying that, just go. So it's not so much about uh, getting in the way of what's happening out here a little bit, but it's also about what is happening internally. When you're abandoning, in your case, abandoning your bodhisattva vow for some kind of position about any damn thing. All positions are false because they're relative. They might work for three weeks, eight weeks, 18 years, but everything comes apart. Everything collapses. It's called materialism. Things are relatively true and we tend to grasp onto that because we want some kind of a reference point. More, please. Kevin. I'm just wondering what to look for as maybe evidence that we've demanded something. Well, simply put, I'm not sure what would be a good response to that other than uh, I would think you would know that, that we want we want our way. We want something a certain way, and we, we see it coming another way. We don't want that. And we demand. We might not say it, but our activity around that whole situation is one of making it unworkable for the, uh, anyone who's in the environment you're in, because you want your own way. You want things to be a certain way, and you might even have a bunch of philosophy behind it as to why it should be that way. But more about that if you have it. Just, it just looks so hidden sometimes. It looks no, yeah, it can be. It's called ignorance. But you sense that it's there? Very vaguely. Look closely. Because it, it, the reason it doesn't look like a demand is because of all of the all of the things that are around it that that protect that demand by having, well, it should be that way, they should be, well, you're, of course you're right about this because that shouldn't happen, that shouldn't have happened this way. Look what she said, and look what happened then. All of the causes and conditions, dozens of countless numbers have come together 
and create that situation of demand, not just I want that necessarily, although that happens if you're two years old. And you want that, and you demand it. But as we get older, we get more sophisticated, so it doesn't look quite, it's not quite so obvious that we're being childish. Because we back it up with what this doctor said, or what this attorney said, or what this text says in Facebook, or it's rampant, it's everywhere. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And I'm happy to respond to questions, but I'm saying you can't find the first cause for anything because it is dependently arisen. That means that this is not separate from this. It's separated, but fundamentally not separate. This person, this human being, is not separate from any other human being in here. Separated, yes. Why is this human being sitting in front of a group of people here and there? What, 20, 20 some people here and a little over a dozen here? Why, why are you listening to me? What are you laughing at, Christopher? Why are you listening to me? Speak up. Why? What do you think? Why are you, why are you listening? Is there a reason? Because just something greater than me is talking to Something greater than you? So you think I'm greater than you? No, I didn't say that. You didn't? No, no, something greater than me is like telling me to like listen to you. Oh, who would that be? The mind stream. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll accept that. Is there a way to loosen our grip when we can't see what it is we're demanding? That's how it's done. If you can't see, if you can't really see it clearly, that's how it loosens. But if you think you see it clearly, that's called ignorance or that's called opinion or belief or locking down. I want this. It shouldn't, but that shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be doing that. Demand. I demand that people give me my freedom. I shouldn't have to wear a, a whatever that thing is people put over their mouths. I demand my freedom. I should be able to hold, have an AK-47 that in two or three seconds I can kill uh, 50 people. That's not what that amendment was about. It's just, but people take that, rip it loose from its fundamental reasonable logic and tie it up in knots with, uh, with a mind that is completely untrained and is completely narcissistic, full of itself, and wants to control everybody, including killing them if they have to, in order to keep their what? Freedom. There's no freedom. There is no freedom. There is something that could be referred to that way, but it's not freedom. It might be better to be said, no bars, no walls, nothing holding anything down. Let me have them. Shukavani, earlier you talked about request. What's the difference between a request and a demand? A request is, is a respectful respecting the person. Now, you could also make it a demand by saying, you know, I really request, with all due respect, <laughs> that you stop looking at me that way or talking behind my back. I request that. <laughs> Is that funny? Go ahead. Shukabang, it seems like 
the intention behind both of those is wanting something different. So, second noble truth: wanting things to be other than they are. Desire, wanting something else, wanting something creates suffering. Not just that little one, but that one, and then that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. Un uncount, you can't count them. There's so many others. Other, other, other. Go ahead. Shobhan, so I'm not. I guess I'm not clear when you say no demands. No demands. What's that? No demands. Especially in, especially in relationship, whether it's with your teacher, your spouse, your sangha, no demands. That doesn't mean you couldn't request, but it would be something that would be respectful. Uh, even if you see that they're really confused in that situation, or you're respectful of them, you come up and say, looks like you're having a difficult time. Or you might go the other way and say, it's a great day, isn't it? How are you doing? You know, use some kind of a, a good manners to approach people. So you, you basically pacify and soften the whole connection between you. And then you might go into a more difficult area. You might say, may I ask you some questions about something that's been coming up for me that's difficult? And you know, here, anybody has difficulty here, if they're a monastery resident, has to do that in a formal interview with the other person where they bow to them and, and look into the other person's eyes for about a minute before you even bring it up. At least that's what I recommend. And I've heard lately somebody's been cutting it back to half a minute. No? Sorry, not funny. More? Shogabang, when you, when I'm in the midst of a demand, how can I change the allegiance to the awareness? If there is another person involved, are you demanding in your mind or is there somebody sitting there? Uh, beg forgiveness. <laughs> if, it's your, if it's your mate. <laughs> no, being silly, but I'm saying discuss it a little bit. Talk about the situation. Uh, explain maybe the difficulty you're having. Could be. Give them a chance to help you with it, possibly. Sometimes that can, if there's some kind of a hidden superiority happening there where you think you know more than he or she or them, uh, you, have to, you have to know that. You have to really be responsible, the ability to respond for all the hidden territory that's showing up in the, between, the, between the trees and the woods. You have to look at that area. Don't change it. Don't. Don't do anything with it. Don't justify it. Don't condemn it. Don't cover it up. But you have to be aware of that. And what does that feel like? What's it feel like? What are you grinning about? Sounds that funny. Aren't you the one that suggested the title for the talk this evening? Yes. Okay. So give me a question. Sure, coming back to Junchi's question it's, it seems like it's difficult to see demand. So if we're ignoring, how can we begin the investigation into the Well, the big picture is return to the wall, continue to train the mind, study, uh, use the, the structure of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, teach your teaching and community, and just repeat. 
start over and then repeat and repeat and repeat. Do a lot of it so that you basically are, you could say you're deconditioning the cultural structure that you've been um, buying into in this lifetime and probably many, many lifetimes. Now you've stum stumbled into this ancient teaching, which is up to date every second. It's not old wisdom, it's right now. So start there. There's room for more questions if you have them, but you've got to have the questions. Is there a texture to demand? I think there's a texture to to everything. It has a, a some. It could be somewhat conceptual, but there's textures there. But there's more textures in the emotional area that have to do with the three poisons, all the variants on the three poisons: passion, aggression, and ignorance. Uh, I mean, just there's so many different nuances there. So one of those, the energy is coming from some area there that is causing uh, you or me or any of us to demand. I should be getting this. You should be doing that. Why are you doing? You should be, you, you, you should be. No demand. That doesn't mean, as I said earlier, that the emotion and the energy that comes up, be responsible for that energy. That doesn't mean believe it. That doesn't mean be hard on yourself. Just be responsible for the energy. Feel the energy come up in the form of anger, in the form of guilt, in the form of shame, in the form of blame, in the form of, uh, of jealousy. Whatever is coming up and crawling up the sides of the, the walls of that dark well, just, just receive it without converting that into something else or uh, uh, converting that into blaming someone as to why that's happening. Just because you have a circumstance that because of the resonance and because of dependent origination, that's actually finding personhood, which is an illusion, in that. And it's finding personhood in you, in your personality, in your consciousness. And it's using that to bring together some kind of a, a political party that's going to overthrow some other person or control them. Or vote them out of business. I'm being a little silly, but I'm saying you, you can't, uh, when I say you can't, you can do whatever you want. But if you do whatever you want, you're going to go in circles. Am I condemning you? No, I'm just saying that it's just the nature of things. The whole world is set up of circles. Realization is not a circle, even though sometimes it's thought of that way. A question from School Stream. I have a difficult relationship with my father due to his anger and self-delusion. I love him but seem overwhelmed with anxiety. As much as I try to be the anxiety, I fail often. Any tips? I don't really know if it's a tip. <laughs> Maybe. But I would say uh, it's, it's situational, so it's dependent on his age and your age. and If you work together or if you live together, but I would say keep, keep your distance. Don't, inter don't interact very much, a little bit. And when you do inter interact, keep it very short. Maybe you, you want a tip. Limit that. And when you're with him, just receive. Don't produce anything. No, no advice, no criticism, nothing. And it might take a few years. Every time you meet him, all you do is, you know, 
I'm not, not talking about being artificial and all full of smiles because you know how you've been mistreated by this person. But you could at least have, a, shall we, the relative term would be some kind of a truce, which might be all on you. You might meet, meet your dad and say, oh, how are you doing? You know, how, uh, cut it short. Be very genuine and direct. When I say direct, directly receive anything the old man's producing. Even comment on it a little bit. I don't have to agree, but you could say, I kind of see what you mean. Whoops, got to get going. Get out of there. I'm going to hang around and try to save your dad. The momentum behind him is uh, pretty powerful. You want to work with the momentum behind you, spool string. You, you work with your own mind instead of pushing it off on somebody else and blaming them, blaming them, one more time, blaming them for how you feel. And then trying to, you want to feel good around them, so then trying to go in with what the intention to fix them so you can have a better relationship. That's very surfacey. And it's also, if I may say so, it's very selfish and self-centered, and it's all about you and how you feel, spoolstring. Not about your dad. If it's about your dad, stay away from him. Because it sounds like you have some kind of a of a contract that could, could go way, way back beyond this lifetime where you're always at some uh, some kind of a conflict. And say, I would say the best way to handle that is pacify it. When I say pacify, come in. How are you doing? How are things going? Got to get going. Glad you're getting that one project done. Looks like you're having trouble with this or this. I hope that clears up for you. Straightforward. This is not lying. It's being kind to someone. Being kind to them. Being, being respectful for their their uh, eyeballs and their nose, their tongue, their, their sense fields that are taking things in, including you. And as soon as they see you, they immediately add on all the difficult times they've had with you and are probably even blaming you for it. Or maybe they're uh, blaming themselves. That's hard to say. But keep your distance. But don't abandon them altogether. But don't get so tight that anger gets triggered or, or that passion, aggression, passion and uh, passion gets triggered and you start feeling like they're wrong. They're, they're to blame. Look at the color of his eyes. Receive the color of the clothing he's wearing. Receive that. And at the same time, receive his voice. Don't pay too much attention to what the words are. If something's important, you can always ask him to repeat it. Listen to the tone of the voice. Listen to the gaps between the words. There's more wisdom in gaps than there is in the word wisdom. But I can talk about that all day and it'll still go in a circle. Seto. Seto bowing. A lot of times when um, I feel the demand and the blame coming up, I can sense the anger or fear behind it, but there's a lot of energy there. How do I, um, I don't know, what do I do with that energy without sending it out? Um, well, you can, if you try to do it with your mind, you probably it's probably not going to work, but you can do it with your body. You have a say-so. You can turn this way, you can turn that way. And I'm not saying pound on the countertop. But you could just leave the room if it gets really difficult and go and just like uh, an angry, uh, uh, just like holding on to an angry cat, 
sound familiar? You know, you're not going to win. So it might be good to get the cat out of the house, uh, out in the back 40. I don't know if you got 40 acres out there, but probably <laughs> outside, and, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes called a... Uh, um, Change your attitude and relax as it is. So change your attitude. You can't really change the attitude, but you can change your body position. Your body and mind are not two different things. They just look like it. And they look so intensely like it that people think they're, they can walk one direction and think another direction. The very nature of insanity is to, is to think that that's happening. More? Christopher. Christopher Bowie. Um, so you said you said um, keep distance, but don't abandon altogether. Yes. But what happens, like if I keep distance and I interact with a person, maybe like once a month, but every time either I interact with them or they like interact with me or call me, there's still that that tension or that anger that not niceness. No. Um, Why do you have to talk to them at all? Because um, they are my parent and because I've convinced myself that I must, I feel obligated. Mm -hmm. I feel a disturbance. Want, to, want some help? I don't know if I want help. I just want okay. your words. Then I won't say anything. I'll just do whatever you need to do then. I can't tell you anything unless you give me permission. You don't have to do what I say. But I'm saying I, I, I know what I want to tell you. You just do I have permission? Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I think I get it. Yeah. Yes. Stop seeing him. Stay away from him. And then when he call, eventually he'll call you. If it's your father, take it. Your mother, both. Okay. If they call you, if they don't call you, then well, you're relieved of that problem. I'm serious. But if they do, then you could say, oh, I bet it's been really busy. Well, we wonder where you're at. You haven't been around. Who knows what they'll say? But you could try it. I would say, uh, stay away from them for a couple of months. And then you could just turn around and go back and say, oh, I've just been really busy. Lie. When I say, of course, it's, it's kind of a lie, but it's not really. It's just, you're trying to work with somebody who is you're having a lot of difficulty with that is triggering you, you're triggering them. Don't, don't spend time trying to cure that or heal that or do that. Find, find out who you are. If you heal this, or just a word, I don't use the word heal much, but if you, if you can stop fighting with this, then you'll stop fighting with everything. This doesn't mean you'll be running around with a big smile on your face. You might be more miserable than you've ever been. It's not, that's not, it's not about how you feel so much. That's important, but if you live that way, then you're, all you're doing is uh, following your karma. What feels good, avoiding what feels bad. So, um, may I ask another thing? Um, so, like, so, like, if I just, I just kind of like stay aware. I keep my distance or do my own thing. I just, um, I just receive. Like, if if they want to, like, if they don't ever like, then talk with me or contact me. Then I just, I just. You that or go back, but you could give it some space. They're not going to create the space, but you could give it some. They might think they got you, and they're, they're going to you're going to talk to them all the time. 
So I would say you could give it some space. Further question? Shoto. Shoto Bowling. Um, something I've had come up a lot to me over the years is finding out there's something I'm not allowed to say anymore. Like, oh, we can't say that. That's offensive to, or this is now not okay to say anymore. Yeah. If someone's demanding that of, of me, should I just cave into that? I, I would say it's situational. You might. I mean, there's times when you might say, yeah, I just, you know, I, I'm probably going to use that word or something. We can't meet everybody's specifications for everything, especially these days. It's just the whole world is loaded with, no, don't call me that. Call me this. Don't call me. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say we should be disrespectful of people's preference in terms of identity, but when there's a demand for it, something's fishy there. When somebody demands that they that you that they're going to get their their validation from you from you acting a certain way yes there's something to that of course there is but sometimes it gets overboard it's just overboard people want you to use their terms for every damn thing and so you could you could do that for a while you could also just stop talking to them That's not going against your vow as a monk at all. It's working with situations as they are. You don't have to kiss anybody's butt about anything. Better not to. You follow me for the question? Questions on, on, in Zoom? Long, did you have a question? Soaker and bowing. How do we practice no demands with a teenager that's driving and maybe has a propensity for finding danger? Bowing. So uh, could you say that again? Use exactly the same words. Soaker and bowing. How do we practice no demands when we have a teenager that's driving and has a propensity for finding danger? Bowing. Uh, remove the teenager. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, yeah, that's a, a challenging. So, huh, um, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly situational. I mean, you know, mother and son uh, it's just that's everybody's dealing with that kind of a difficulty in some way or another i would just say just do the best you can without without too much of a demand uh, you know, uh, I, since i know him a little bit i know you i mean you could sit down and talk about it a little bit and explain to him what you're dealing with see if you can't get some help from him ask for his help don't tell him what to do isn't he 16 yeah don't tell him what to do not a good idea. You've been 16. Remember how that worked for you? No, not going to do that. I'm going to say I'm going to do it, but as soon as they're gone, I'm going to do whatever I want. So I would say try to include them, uh, include him in, in the situation so uh, so that you're more, uh, just more, more included in it. I remember when my uh, um, sons were way back a long time ago in the early 70s were getting high and 
you know, running around and doing stuff. And I tried to, uh, you know, I, I knew they were doing that. And I said, you know, let's uh, try to limit it to the weekends, you know, get on the weekend, not during school. And, uh, and they, they were kind of interested that, that I would even consider letting them get high, which I, I really wasn't. I knew I couldn't stop it, but I wanted to be included in it. And it actually helped because one time, uh, one of them, and none of them listened to me, so there's nobody here. Uh, one of them, uh, so that way if I get the story wrong, nobody's going to correct me because I, I don't want, I don't like looking foolish, especially when it comes to my sons because they're, they're smart. But the one, uh, young, uh, middle one, he got, got into a drug deal, uh, I don't know when it was, 1970, early, and where somebody uh, just assumed that he wasn't going to tell his parents anything uh, and were threatening him because somehow the money, exchange of money wasn't right or something, and, and he started threatening this particular son. Uh, and I don't know what they were saying, but um, since I had a good communication with him, you know, he, he didn't come and tell me, but his older, older brother did. came and said, Dad, uh, this, this is what's happening here at, in Hastings, Michigan, uh, at the high school. And, and I said, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but uh, when he told that to me, I said, well, will you go and tell him, uh, give him a message for me? I said, he said, of course. And he went and he was only, the oldest one was, I think, was 16 in high school. And the other one was, what, 14 or 14 or 15. Was being threatened, and I uh, uh, and I let. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, other than to say I was included, so I knew what was happening. So I was able to step in and say, you know, back off. You'll get your money. Tell tell them that he'll get his money. But if he threatens him anymore, he's going to get a lot more than the money that's owed. And so I kind of what is that a threat? Yeah, I threatened another kid. Uh, well, I couldn't think of anything else to do. Uh, because I didn't know what, how difficult or how involved that was. Anyway, the thing, the whole situation real, uh, um, resolved itself. It wasn't because of so much. The main thing there is I was in communication. So that's what I'm saying to you basically is make sure the communication is really strong in that way. And I think it already is pretty strong between you and him, isn't it? Pretty strong? Yeah. I think if your communication is good, you're not going to be able to, to do anything about, you know, uh, several tons of steel moving down the, the road and going different directions. Uh, it's just a, it's a difficult area there. So things can go wrong. I'm happy that I was able to help you with that. <laughs> Yikes. Thank you. Um, a question from Hassan. Certainly. Dear Sokazan, is Kensho the same as realization? Does greed and hatred end with Kensho? So Kensho is the Japanese uh, word for uh, for insight into your your true nature, into who you really are. But it doesn't last. It's just that it's it's an experience. So it shows up, and because it's an experience, it goes away. I mean, it might take a week, two weeks, could last for months. It's an insight into the fundamental nature of, of who you are in reality. You begin to see that you're not separate from anything. That might be one way of describing it. And it can be incredibly brilliant and, and even rich and exciting because you're now you finally see that uh, you are one with everything or some kind of baloney. It shows up in the mind stream as 
some great thing that's happening here. Uh, that's just uh, to give you a little taste of uh, what the actual realization might be. The actual realization itself doesn't go anywhere because it's not an experience. If, you, if it's an experience, it'll go away. If it's an experience, it'll go away. If it's an experience, it won't last. The very nature of experiences is they don't last. You can't have one experience, one orgasm from now till your retirement. Not going to happen. And quite often, pleasure is mistaken for awakening. To come in to compete at one with everything. Big mistake. It might be closer to say that uh, misery all the time. This is about to run out of battery. And so, we can show uh, we, we, should, we could have that, it so happen, and that's just uh, the way it shows up is it's just something that might encourage you to keep going because you, but three days later, two days later, uh, 10 hours later, that experience will, will fade it away because it's, it's just that, it's a temporary understanding. Realization is not an experience. You can find a way to ask questions about that. I will respond, but that's that's the best way to say it. It's not an experience. Why is it? Why isn't it an experience? Because there's no one left. There's no experiencer left. You only have experiences if there's an experiencer. This doesn't mean that you don't have experiences. There's just no experiencer. Got that? some further information from school screen was asking about his father mm -hmm. he says i live with him no other choice i have serious injuries he went through cancer treatment and is lonely i know i'm selfish i don't care i can't keep distance as he gets angry and passive aggressive hmm. I don't know uh, as I'm visualizing what you're and trying to bring up in my own mind stream, what you're going through, uh, I would say the best thing to do is just return to the wall, train your mind so that whatever shows up in front of you, you're not adding to the suffering by projecting onto it. Get as much distance as you can without being, without abandoning him. I don't, you didn't say how old he is, but he's acting that way because he's afraid and he's suffering and want, and, and you're somebody he's probably been blaming for a while so he's he's you can also if you're if you can handle it you can just receive it if you can it's hard to receive it because it doesn't feel good you can when he's at his worst saying to you uh you can just drop your head drop your gaze not like this not in shame but just drop your gaze slightly don't confront him And then respond. But when you respond, then look in, at his, in his eyes. And then as soon as you're done speaking, drop your gaze. Don't ask me why I'm saying that, because I don't, I'm not a psychologist. But when you produce, look right at him. But when you receive, drop your gaze. Go ahead. A question from Ubi in Connecticut. What's the spelling of the name? Ubi. When we feel we have no motivation for work responsibilities or spiritual practice, and our coping reaction is to demand ourselves to have discipline and pull it together, 
how should we meet that in a way that helps us to relate to those responsibilities and duties in a healthy manner? Well, you pretty much described it. Just do that. Meet your responsibilities in a, a healthy manner. Yeah, do that. How do you do that? You have to look at the way you're not doing that. You have to look at the negative part of it rather than continually abandoning that for some kind of a solution. The solution is the problem. And of course, it's not the problem particularly, but, but the only way you'll know how to work with it is to stay, not to maintain, but just hang right in there in the difficulty itself. Because when we abandon the difficulty to blame someone for how we feel, even if even if how we feel or what we're blaming is, is correct, they actually are, you know, um, taking advantage of us or not carrying their their share of the load or, you know, somebody is, that's the, that's why it's so damn hard because relative truth is always showing up uh, uh, to reinforce the insanity of our demand. So if, you, if, you're, if you're looking for some way where well, I don't have to demand because I can see where it's dependently risen. It's probably not going to work that way. You're probably going to have to look right at the demand and just stop it. But don't stop the, the underlying uh, quality of emotion that causes that demand or that blaming or that, 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 when you leave it and go into something else. You want to see if you're doing that? Go look in the mirror and see how far your jaw is jutting out. The body is going to express it some way. I'm being a little silly because you may not see that, but some just look at your face. Look at how you look at how that comes up, and you just want to threaten. You just want to. You just don't like that anymore. Don't like that mother, that father, that child. Can we have basic expectations like respect? Uh, give me a little more than that. Basic expectations like respect. Like respect of um, a role like here in the saga or respect of, uh, um, respect of our confusion in uh, from a Dharma brother or sister? Allie? Can we have expectations? Mm -hmm. Here, yes. Now we work with them every day. We just talked about one of them today. Someone should be doing this. They didn't do it. Then how do we work? You just go and tell them about it. No blame. Even though you could, you know, if you were a parent and there were children, you could go around and accuse and harp on them and blame and get mad and everything. You know, it's very simple. Very simple. This is this needs to be done. You didn't do this function or that function. You were supposed to do this and you didn't. Wouldn't even have to say that. They already know that. They live here, they know what they've done, what they, they might have forgotten, who knows. But if that continues and they just don't want to, to do that, then we would come to me or go through the Eno, which you are, and then through the, the Shuso, then the Sukansu, and then the Abbot, and then the Abbot, or the, or the Sukansu could make some kind of a decision. It says, well, you know, might come and say, let's talk with that person. So you're not doing, you're not doing this, and this is your agreed to be here. This is something you've agreed to do. True? Yes, I did. And you just not want to be here? You don't want, want to observe these forms anymore? So we, it's not a prison. They'd be allowed to do whatever they wanted to do. Or if they came and said, and just talk about it a little bit. 
Is that what, I, what you're talking about? Yeah. So, yeah. Like somebody forgetting to do a kabbana. You ever done that? Yeah. So you're talking about yourself, not, not any other absent-minded person. Did somebody scold you for that? No. What did they say? They um, reminded me that you did to be done. Did that trigger anything with you? A little bit of shame. Some shame, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what do you do with the shame? Observe. Yeah, just observe the shame. You don't have to get rid of anything. Please don't get rid of anything. If you get rid of something, and that's like you think that's your property, and you can somehow get rid of that and be a some kind, some kind of better person, not going to happen. Well, it might happen relatively, but it's just more circles. Okay, for any questions out there in Zoomville before we close? Well, that's a cheery bunch out there, <laughs> gloomy looking people, except for. Wulong, she's smiling. And then some people have, like, Gene uh, Doe, he's probably sound asleep behind that picture where he's grinning. And I'm sure John Roadhouse is awake. Yeah, he's awake. He's definitely awake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there he is. Okay. I've, I've been thinking a little bit about, um, uh, in the context of demands, um, yes. uh, in terms of how to respond to a demand. So in terms of receiving, so there's the demand. And um, so what's going through my mind, a lot of the four karmas is some kind of framework, instructional framework. And you haven't used that term tonight, but it's been somewhat behind some of what you've been saying, I think, if I, if I have that right. Sure. Yeah. You do. Yeah, do you want to recite the four karmas? Uh, pacifying, enriching, magnetizing, and destroying. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, the teaching I received on that, which I think is probably the same teaching you received on that, at least from Shogun Trungpa, was be a little cautious about the fourth one. Don't kill anybody? Don't kill anybody, right. But my way of using the, the last one is just break the connection, like I was saying. Yeah. Pacify, enrich, magnetize, and then just leave. Whoops, got to go. That breaks the connection. So that's yeah. a kind of uh, ending. Yeah, much gentler. I'm smiling. It's a little dark here. But... I know you're smiling. <laughs> I'm smiling too. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I get my smiles mixed up with my frowns. Then I look like uh, I'm trying to smile, but then I. You look like Bodhidharma. You do look like Bodhidharma there. That's very yeah. good. Yeah. I downloaded him a couple years ago. <laughs> been bothering me ever since. Uh, what, what got me was the comment about the gloomy group out there in Zoom land. Yeah. I'm glad you heard that. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that was that was it. That was good. Are we ready to do something else, everyone? Ready to close? Okay. We'll dedicate the merit. Thank you so much for joining us. May the merit be
has penetrated into all places, so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, its buildings, gardens, and all adjoining areas from any and all dark or negative energy. Remove and dissolve any negative energy or devices. Fill everything and everyone with light. Please shield and protect with light our teachers, monks, students, and all practitioners of the Dharma, our families and friends from negative forces and energy from now on. Help us to realize the truth of the Buddha's teachings. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.